Curiosity on Dublin City FM. We're both here, we're both queer, and for the first time in a while, we're both getting into it. I'm James O'Hagan, and this is Curiosity, proudly presented by LGBT Ireland, the National LGBT Support Service. If you or anyone you know needs support, the National LGBT Helpline is there to listen in confidence and without judgment seven days a week. Whatever's on your mind, LGBT Ireland's Helpline volunteers are there to listen. Now, coming up on today's show, Paul Drig and I will have a look back over some of the week's main LGBTQI plus stories in our Rainbow Roundup. With Transgender Day of Remembrance taking place earlier this week, Podrick chatted to Claire Flynn and Karen Sugru, co-chairs of Mammies for Trans Right, an inspiring community of mothers and allies advocating for the well-being of trans people in Ireland about what prompted them to take to the streets for trans youth. And with the festive season rapidly approaching, opera singer, podcast producer and celebrant Fergal Curtis joins us to tell us about his event, the Curtis Cabaret Christmas Extravaganza, taking place in the Sugar Club on Leeson Street on December 13th. We've also got music Music and Anita before we dust off the much missed hot tub time machine in Reeling in the Queers and had way, way back to the year champion for LGBTQ rights, Jane Fonda, had this to say about the gay rights movement. What this movement is seeking, which is nothing less than respect and justice and stopping discrimination against people because of sexual preference, you're on the side of the angels. I mean, it's just and it's right. And so if we're going to survive as a world, and we may not, but if we do, they're going to win. You tell him, Jane. But before we get into any of that, he's the Liza to my duty. And boy, how I've missed him. Padraig Wilson McCarthy. Welcome back. <laughs> Babe, did you have to use Google Maps to get in? <laughs> I see, I didn't did, know the, yeah, did, yeah. the, the plane. The plane landed in last night from uh, from, from Provincetown. Half <laughs> the staff are changed in here. Um, you have a lovely time. <laughs> that, no, that's a barefaced lie. People with this Bare complexion face. do. Not, <laughs> you said it, not me. People with this complexion do not. Have, how have you been keeping? It's been a long, dark, dreary November. I'm telling you now. But if I feel like it's summer holidays again, absolutely, it absolutely wasn't a long. You look at you two two weeks in the spotlight. You're not no, delighted. I'm sure it was delighted, babe. But also <laughs> equally very delighted to be able to take my foot off the pedal now and let you do all the hard work, <laughs> and I'll just do what I do best and just comment on everything that you say. I love it. Look, that's that's what we're made for. This is this is what this pairing is all works. about. Yeah, it's it works. Um, but what have you been doing this week? What's happening? I've been, I'm having a very quiet November. I'm having like, you know, I'm trying to, you know, this doing this like whole slow living thing. Yes. And there's nothing slow about it though. Like I'm up the walls, but like at the same time, I've just been kind of like just chilling out, having a nice old time, uh, not doing anything major. I actually am, um, from next week on, like from next week on, it, it's going to be mental and, and it's like, Tick, buying tickets and stuff like that. Like I've, I've just bought a ticket for Primavera Sound. Now on the subject of tickets, don't talk like, to me. Are, are, you bring it up at me. Oh, oh, okay. Look, I know that you, you, you will if you, if you're a regular, so you'll know that this is as well as uh, Dublin's premier LGBT radio show. It is also the only spot for girls' loud updates. <laughs> <laughs> and like I was going to be like if I can get through the news without saying it yeah but it's official it is and I mean we called it I think we broke the story I feel like we did I feel like we mean? broke the story I think there's a there's a there's a, there's a Twitter character at Shane Reaction who apparently broke the yeah. broke the news ahead of time about the Dublin date on the 18th yeah. of May yeah. I think fair play kudos to him absolutely like he was my reliable source yesterday I kept 100%. going on to refresh and then I was like can you check this place can you check that place because I wanted to know where they were going to be playing when because it's a very busy May and June oh 
Desi busy like, time. June. I have to say, I, I am fully 100% giving credit to Nadine for getting us not just the first night of the tour, not just a Saturday night of the tour, mm. but I think that is, you know, she's after putting on the pressure to bring it to Ireland first and foremost. I know, and you know what? Fair play to her. I think it's going to be an unbelievable night. It's it, the week after your vision. Oh my God. <laughs> They're afraid she'd move their passports again. I'm, like doing, I'm, going to, I'm going to have to take the month <laughs> off. What? Like, how will we ever recover? I, and then we're straight into Pride. And then it's straight into Pride. Do I you mean, know what I mean? And like, there's still touring during Pride Month and I, I'm, I'm almost adamant I'm going to be at least do, at two dates. But now let's get into the news. Yeah, so it's a rainbow roundup the queer related news stories from around the world that caught our queer little eye this week. And I'm kicking off things at home, first of all. A major study has found that the far right influence is growing in Ireland and I don't think that comes as a huge shock because we get to, we, we see that an awful lot, right? The report which, which was which was published by the Institute of Strategic Dialogue analysed, and this is it because it, it, it's a fairly accurate report. It analysed 13 million posts across over 1,600 accounts on 12 online platforms over a three-year period. Okay, so it's it's pretty it in-depth. In depth, right? Absolutely in-depth. It outlined misinformation and conspiracy theories um, that are being spread online and enforcement gaps on platforms that fail to elim- eliminate misleading and harmful content. Give a guess as to which one was the worst. I mean, I I think it probably had a name change recently, yeah, didn't it? Yeah, of course. It's it's ex formerly Twitter. Um, most common topics uh, were COVID, uh, where people were threatening politicians because of you know restrictions, the arrival of refugees and asylum seekers, and of course, um, LGBTQ issues, namely teaching LGBTQ issues to children. Um, it gave a really extensive insight into like how these groups targeted the queer community right and and I just wanted to to mention one or two of them because I think it's it's interesting it's disappointing um and I think it needs to be concerning. needs to be talked about yeah it's very concerning right it found that these groups and individuals regularly po- re- regularly portray the LGBTQ plus community um as a danger to children particularly using the slur groomers um quite often I suppose actually look it says here 3,544 posts um, contained that word and it was shared 2.58 million times during the research period and that's just tweets and posts claiming that that queer people are groomers I I mean I think it's like this is something obviously that the movement of this online and the kind of prevalence of it and these figures really speak to the fact that this is going this this drumbeat is going on in the background and two things kind of occurred to me there first is that you know this trope around a lack of safety and having queer people around children is something that has existed and it's something that gets attached to like lots of other marginalised communities this notion that there's a danger inherently within our identities that means that children shouldn't be let near us and it's 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 the first step to kind of like pushing people out to the edges so you can't be visible in society and it's what leads us to places like in Russia where you have the, mm. the propaganda so it's it's a, it's really disappointing particularly when you think the context of like the fact that just a couple of years ago we were celebrating so much around the um, like marriage equality that it's gone up the other thing is that like I have actually been like on the bus or sitting in like Costas or wherever it is and I've actively like overheard conversations happening between kind of you know you know older middle-aged people and older people where they are actively like talking about some of these kind of like things that are clearly misinformation mm. and disinformation that they are you know picking up and, and sort of not understanding that they need to like understand they not they need to look into it to figure out mm. if it's accurate or not and like that sort of transition into real world can only have damaging consequences it's very un, very it's, unpleasant it's 
very unpleasant and it's so concerning and people believe unfortunately what they read you know yeah. and I think where I suppose where we come from like where like I my algorithm is suits what I like you know what I mean so when I look on, on Twitter these things are okay yeah. but they're like I don't see half of it you know what I mean so you, yeah. you can only guess another thing um, that was quite uh, popular I guess for them to talk about was the library protests and that was another thing you know targeted library targeting yes. libraries protests and being threatening threatening violence I suppose which brings me to my next story actually right um, sort of related in terms that books are being banned um, our next story is Pink the singer uh, played in Miami this week and she teamed up with PEN America which is an organisation which fights for human rights for freedom of expression and she gave away a thousand books um, that have been banned from school districts in Florida. I saw this and I just thought it is such like a a classy move yeah. by Pink because she has been an outspoken advocate and ally for the queer community for years and like the books that I I, I had a look at the list of some of the books that she yeah. was giving out like it was ones that were like depicting same-sex families it was also like the poetry of Amanda Gorman who was exactly. the, the poet who spoke at the inauguration of Joe Biden and sort of speaks about racial you know inequalities and so like you know for her to kind of say look I'm actually going to do, I'm going to use this platform as a way to kind of like provide an opportunity for education for people and to really throw it in the face of Ron DeSantis because that man needs to to like take it down a notch absolutely like it's such a, <laughs> it's such a ridiculous thing to even comprehend that they're banning books from schools like that now you know and it was teachers and stuff kept reaching out to her and like seeing her or like reaching out to Pen, Pen America actually when they were handing them out and saying like I'm so restricted like they can't even there's some schools aren't even allowed to do her, like Harry Potter not that they would want to because of Jake Rowling but, but those kind of <laughs> stories that we all grew up with that are harmless actually in ways are all banned for some ridiculous reasons no I, I know it's, and it just, like, I think it's, it's just sort of Start, it's like the start of something when you start seeing these books yeah. being banned and it kind of you know people get normalised into like having this book banned or that book banned and then it sort of you know it grows from there yeah totally look, on the look, subject look, of someone who should be banned though yeah <laughs> George Sant- Santos right yeah. uh, one of the most bizarre men in American politics which is not an easy title to take right it really at all. Like, it really he, is if, not if you don't know him he's a Republican congressman who is also an out gay man but he's a very poor record in terms of LGBTQ rights uh, he voices support for Florida's Don't Say Gay Law. He's outspoken about like opposing uh, gay, um, gay marriage or same-sex family units. He's not running he's he's not running for re-election in 2024 after an ethics report published revealed that he basically was using campaign money for some outrageous bits like Hermes scarves and OnlyFans and uh, yeah, Botox yeah. I heard all the Bo- things it is, yeah. it is like it is bizarre it is like it's something bizarre. that if it, was, if it was written in like the West Wing or one of those political dramas you'd say no you've taken it too far there no, bring like, it back a notch like he essentially employed his own company um, and paid himself $200,000 of you know campaign donations he spent uh, $4,000 in in Hermes he spent like he a couple of transactions in spas for Botox I think one of them alone was two and a half grand and uh, all of this is coming from donations from people yeah. you know what I mean like ridiculous I, I would say that we, we've got to wrap up the, mo- the, yeah. the the news now I think that if you want to do yourself one favour this Please. this afternoon I would say Google George Santos Meatball and watch the drag performance done by drag performer Meatball of George Santos transforming into his drag alter ego. It is phenomenal and one of the greatest things you will see all week. I promise you that. It's well worth it. But that is, look, that's all the time that we do have for but have for this week. But still to come, I had a gorgeous chat with the wonderful Karen and Claire from Mammies for Trans Rights about what has inspired them to get out and support not only their own but everyone in the community. That and loads more after Robin and call your girlfriend on Curiosity.
There is one thing gays love more than Gaga, Kylie and Queen Bee combined and it's their mammies. And joining us today are Claire Flynn and Karen Sugru, co-chair members of Mammies for Trans Rights, a community of mothers and allies advocating for the well-being of trans youth in Ireland. With a growing network of support, they're challenging misconceptions, countering media narratives and standing up for the rights and dignity of the LGBTQIA plus community. Welcome, Claire and Karen. Hi. Hi, Claire. Hi. How are you today? Very well. Delighted. Thanks so much for joining us. You're very good to join us. And I know you're very busy. Thanks for having us on. We're thrilled to My be here. My pleasure. Look, we'll get straight into it. First of all, maybe Claire, you could answer for us. Um, can you share, I suppose, the inspiration behind forming Mammies for Trans Rights and, and the journey that you've had so far in building the this huge community of support that you have? Well, I have to say it happened quite organically. And, um, you know, I have a trans daughter. Um, and so in trying to advocate for my daughter and in trying to make sure that there is a safe society there for her, um, Karen and I would have many conversations, you know, around trying to make sure that we had that safe society. Mm. Um, so it, it sort of came from that. And then um, when Bianca Gay was um, unfortunately murdered, mm. you know, really brought to the forefront the dangers that we felt that our kids were maybe being put in. And also the way that people were speaking around trans people, you know, was sort of creating a, creating a space maybe where that was not necessarily OK, but where it was potentially maybe more likely to happen. So we were very concerned, but we wanted to advocate as well. We're both strong women, um, and we're not—we have no—we're da- no strangers to advocating for other people. So this felt very, very much personal to us in terms of advocating for our own family members as well. Mm. But we also w- were aware of that there are more than just our family members there; that it is quite a large community, and the attacks that it's been put under and the way it's been characterised is just so not the truth. So we wanted to create a space where we could. Uh, say, no, this isn't the truth. Trans uh, trans people exist. Not only do they exist, but they're just like normal people like everybody else. Um, and just create a space where we counter the narrative that we were hearing uh, of other people saying about trans people. And then from that, you know, we didn't set out to set up a large group, but it just felt that actually we hit the pulse of quite a, what a lot of other parents, mammies, aunts, uncles, brothers, sisters, people in the community were feeling as well. So it just sort of really snowballed from there that we, what we created, just created a space for other people to join in with us who felt the same as we did. Absolutely. I know, I know exactly where you're coming from. And do you mind me asking, is it through your, the members of your family that you're advocating for that, that you got to, to know each other? Did you know each other beforehand? We had known each other a little bit beforehand, but we've got to know each other very well now over the last year. Uh, that's and brilliant. Yeah, we knew of each other. We had met, we had met in different occasions and stuff like that. And of course. You know, in the sort of activism world, you, uh, you know, tend to meet the same uh, people all over the place, you know, again yeah. and again. And, sp- and, again, and you just hit great. it off. You just hit it off. Yeah, we hit it off. Oh, that, that's, hit it off. That's, that's brilliant. And both, both Limerick ladies, am I right? Yeah. What a massive coincidence there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, look, there, there you are. There you are. Look, the reaction, right? I, and I and I know you'll be aware of this, but the reac- the reaction to mammies for trans right has been incredible. And and I speak for, I suppose, all of the community when I say like when we see your banner at like events across the country, it's so heartwarming to see that you know that, that an organisation like yourselves has been set up coming from parents who are who are just looking after their you know their their children. Um, were you surprised? by the reaction of the group and and what role do you see it in playing uh, playing in fostering understanding and support for the trans community? 
um was were we surprised do you know it's a it's a funny thing because it, as claire said it started so organically so you know when 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 mammies come together and you know we're worried about our kids of course then a lot of, you know it, it's it's a really powerful space and so we really were doing it for our kids first which means mm. that you know um and woe betide the person who stood in our way so we had absolutely we kind of had a little support group and it, it really started with literally just us getting on train and going to um a march and then that went really well and we felt great about it and we got great feedback from our own kids and from from other kids as well and so then we went to uh, belfast and we met the northern irish mammies and of course they're mighty altogether my god you think limerick women are powerful <laughs> we are nothing like the northern irish mammies um and so very very quickly we kind of uh became quite a quite a large group yeah. and then um with the, <laughs> we started marching and it just happened that it started it was the the start of pride season so we started going to to marches and you know, people were giving us most incredible feedback, like um, coming up and hugging us and and thanking us. They, that was very unexpected, um, I have to say, because it, it, like I said, it really started as something to support ourselves and uh, in our fear and our worry. And then um, we were getting incredible feedback from people who were getting something out of it as well. But yeah. I think it's the it's the mammy. And I suppose I get very emotional. Claire now would be laughing at me. But I, I get very emotional when I talk about this every time I talk about this, because it is the idea of the mammy uh, that gives people such support. And it really breaks my heart to know that all we have to do is hold up a banner with the word mammy on it um, and and tell people basically that we think you're fantastic. That's all we're doing. It's so simple. And that simple thing means so much to people and what that tells us is that there are people out there who are really not getting support mm. from their communities and who are really in, a, in a quite a, a vulnerable place so I think um, I'm sure Claire won't mind me saying this but I think for us it's a most enormous honour to go and hold that little bit of space for people you know that, that they get some kind of emotional support from it we love it and it's just it's been an incredible couple of months. You know, I had a very strong mammy and my mammy would have stood up for me in front of, you know, and put me behind her with so many, in so many circumstances and did it in so many ways for me. So I learned from a really, really good mammy and I know Karen would, would agree and I've met Karen's mammy as well and Karen's mammy is exactly like that as well. You know, and we, there is this idea of like the Irish mammy, you know, yeah, and it, it's not just the Irish mammy, it is, you know, the, the Manchester mammy, the Glasgow mammy. You know, we yeah. all have this ideal of, you know, a mammy uh, and you know, and what a mammy will do to protect and 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 nurture her child. It's a superpower, now, isn't, isn't it? Really, it's a superpower. I would yeah. say. Yeah, yeah. and it, now, that isn't true for everybody of yeah. the LGBTQ plus yeah. IA community, totally. and we re- recognise that as well. That for some parents, it's incredibly difficult. Mm. Um, you know, I don't want to judge anyone for sure. their responses. You know, it can be incredibly, incredibly difficult, and for the young person involved, it can be incredibly, incredibly difficult as well they haven't gotten as much acceptance as they would have liked within their own family members that feeling the acceptance from us as mammies has been equally as powerful and mm. um, you know and like Karen was saying like we've been in spaces where people have come up to us and give us hugs and we're so happy to give hugs you know but also I hope that 
one of the things that I want to do particularly anyway as well is you know, be, put myself in spaces where I can have those conversations with maybe who feel like maybe they don't get it, who all they're hearing is the other side's rhetoric, if there is another side. You know, if they're, if all they're hearing is the negative stuff, then I'm happy to put myself in spaces where I can explain to them what it means to me as an individual, as a mother, what yeah. it means to have a trans daughter yeah. and, you know, and how I've navigated that. And, you know, from that, I'm hoping as well that, by us being out there and being open and honest about, you know, what our, what our experiences are, that we can help other people accept themselves, accept their family members and, you know, just create a space where trans rights are respected and protected. Absolutely. And, you know, you said you kind of hit the nail on the head there. Like, I, I suppose I, I would see you as being a role model for, for other parents who might be struggling, you know, um, and to, to have somebody like you for reference is is brilliant really Karen can you tell us about the Mammies for Rights advocacy work like particularly relating to the countering the degrading narratives which which can exist online and, and how we can promote a more inclusive understanding of trans lives I, uh, yeah I mean look it's 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 an excellent question and it's something that we really struggle with ourselves like how to uh, respectfully inhabit this space and it's, it's a really difficult thing for us to navigate because on the one hand we don't want to take up space that might be given to actual trans people mm-hmm. and their voices. Yeah, I understand um, that. And that to us would be is, is you know, that's the aim is to get trans voices out there um, and talking about their own experiences. Um, however, what, what has been happening is that trans voices are not only are they, they shouted down, but there's an enormous chilling effect on trans people speaking out because of the outrageous level of backlash that they get when they do and it's not just you know some abuse online it is a tidal wave of abuse to their families their friends their employers they are sued they get legal letters every aspect of their lives is taken apart strategically and this is a strategic it's it's entirely designed to silence people so in you know, m- m- when myself and Claire started really talking about all of this, we we felt that um, as a result of that kind of strategic chilling effect on on trans people's voices and and trans people's speaking about their experiences, the other side, the the side that was peddling misinformation and continues to peddle misinformation, is given quite a large platform, and in that space, then you have. Uh, trans people themselves hearing only untruths and misinformation and, and outright lies and nonsense, to be perfectly honest with you, about themselves, you know, and we know yeah. the terrible impact that internalizing those kind of hateful lies can have on a person's mental health. Sure. But we also have um, parents listening to really terrifying things about trans people and really terrifying and misleading things about gender affirming care and what that looks like and what the 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 strategy or the route for their their kid might be and and what's ahead for their kid and instead of there being you know the capacity for people to go and get information as you would like, you know, evidence-based information from their doctors and from support people, and then they can make an informed choice and, and you know, go to their doctor and make, you know, a, a private conversations with your doctor and you make your decisions and so on. That just doesn't exist because this has become um, a, a public debate. Every aspect of a trans person's life and, and med- private medical decisions has become um, up for public debate and public comment. And we have 
people at the top of societies, we have senators going into the Oireachtas bathrooms and filming themselves talking about trans rights. Um, and we have other senators online asking for proof of trans children to be presented to them for examination. When you have the leaders in our society leading conversations like that, that dehumanize trans people and their families, then no decision can be made from a place of of safety. Everybody feels unsafe. Everybody feels um, terrified. And the decisions that come from that then are never going to be the right decisions, whatever they are, Um, because there is no right decision. There is only each individual's decision about how they wish to live their lives. A hundred percent. You know, people, I suppose, unless they know someone or they're related to someone who is trans, they really don't understand the struggle that they, that these people have to go through. Like, first of all, self-identity. Like, I mean, that alone. And then and then all of this, you know, extra added pressure coming from society is just it's disgusting, yeah. really. What yeah. the two of you are doing and 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 the group in, is just amazing. And it has been absolutely fantastic to speak to the to the two of you today I would speak to you all day if I could um, thank you so much for coming on I, I hope you. I hope that I see you at a protest soon so I can run up and oh, give you a hug as well I really hope so and we're going to be in Clan Mel on it's the 25th Saturday Brilliant. the 25th Winter Pride they're having their winter, winter pride. pride so we'll be there excellent so if you're there make sure to come up and say hello to us I will, please. will of course listen thanks so much Claire and Karen and hopefully we'll speak to you again soon okay we look forward thank to it thank you thank best of luck bye bye Curiosity on Dublin City FM. Welcome back. Still to come, we are going to be chatting to Fergal Curtis about his Christmas cabaret extravaganza. But before we get there, Spotify rap season is coming and I was rifling through my 2022 hits and came across the Queen of Dublin Pride 2022, Anita's Involver. And I just needed to let us all have a listen. Virgil Curtis is the veritable inspector gadget of creativity an opera singer a podcast producer and a (laughs) celebrant and on Sunday the 3rd of December he's inviting you to the Sugar Club on Leeson Street to kick off your silly season with a Curtis Cabaret Christmas extravaganza Virgil joins us now to tell us about what we can expect from the Curtis Cabaret a Christmas extravaganza welcome to the show Virgil thank you thank you so much for having me did you name the show yourself I named the show we usually have like a theme for each Mm -hmm. show and for this one just no theme was coming for me and I was like ah a Christmas extravaganza. It works. Yeah. We can do whatever yeah. we want. Yeah. Lazy branding, but we love it. I'm sorry. I love it but it makes an impression. If I hear the word extravaganza, I'm in. Yeah, yeah exactly. Bother. So but am I. What can what can people expect from the show? What's what's going to be going on at the night? So the show is it's basically a musical extravaganza, um, and it's rooted in kind of like the New York. Uh, piano bar cabaret Gorgeous. scene where like professional Broadway singers actors uh, performers will basically do their gigs and then head down and um, they will jump on stage of like a little mini theatre or a piano bar and they'll get to just try out material try things that they normally wouldn't do in their career be a bit creative so that's I basically spent my youth 
growing up deep diving Broadway singers. Yeah. And I'd always end up at these little cabaret nights. So it kind of stuck with me. And then a year, 15 months ago, I was like, I kind of want to create something like that. So it's like opera singers, musical theatre singers, uh, recording artists, drag queens, mm. uh, session musicians, band musicians, all turn on stage together to create a bit of chaos. And is it kind of like a sort of a collaborative thing? Is it very rehearsed or how does it work? Mm, We are very rehearsed. So I come from an operatic background. Standards are very high. high. Expectations are high and I haven't been able to shake that. So I very much created this space to try and shake it as well. We have not shaken it. And this <laughs> this cabaret, I've kind of even taken back more control. Yeah, I'm telling good. people what to sing. I was afraid to, to say control freak. <laughs> no, it's fully giving. control. The last four, I've been like, sing what you want. Tell me what you want to sing. Yeah. This one, I was like, I'm telling everyone what they're going to sing. <laughs> so I don't know if I'm really shaking that control side. But... Um, what was the question? I, I mean, I, now I've, yeah. I've, I've lost in my mind thinking about God, I would love an operatic version of All I Want for Christmas yeah, is You, to be I perfectly know, honest with I you. I love it. But Can I, we? Like, if, you, if, you're put, if you're putting your name to something though, in fairness, like you want you want it to be the best that it can be. Oh yeah, that that, right? that's what it was. It was like high standards um, is what I have. But what can you expect on the night? We're very rehearsed, but we come across like we're not rehearsed. Okay, I That's love it. So it's, got the, it's got that energy of kind of like an in the moment it, you're yeah, watching yeah. kind of stuff. Happen. It, it, I love this. I love we have freedom, we have flexibility, um, but yeah, to a T, everyone knows what but they're doing. I mean, you've you've kind of got a, a, a an entire suite of creative pursuits and sort of you know <laughs> a really kind of amazing broad range of experience. Do you bring all of that into the into the, the curation of these shows? Thousand percent. So basically, I set up the cabaret to mix music performance which is what I've always done has been my first love with podcasting which was what I ended up doing in the pandemic and I basically was like I want to create something that brings all of that together so there's like musical performances that's what the cabaret is rooted in but there's stories there's skits there's conversations it's very much about community so I kind of have spent the last year trying to make podcasting part of theatre and theatre being kind of like the foundation of it all and then with the celebrant stuff, because I trained to be a celebrant over COVID as well. COVID was a busy time for me. Yeah. I just wow. couldn't, I couldn't stay, sit couldn't still. Stay idle. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to leave the singing behind for a bit. And then I literally, any hobby I had turned into a career. <laughs> I love that. So the celebrant stuff, um, my dear friend, Karen, who you know, yeah. and is my mentor in the kind of celebrant area, basically said, whenever I come to a cabaret, it's like having... Um, being in a ceremony. And I never really understood that. And then she kind of explained, it's community. It's the audience coming together. Everyone comes. They're so joyful. They have a great time. You're mixing with people you don't necessarily would be around all the time. And it's big emotions. Like we are bringing kind of like, we lean on pop culture moments on things that are going on within the queer community, within the world. And we kind of, not that we're making light of them, but we're trying to find ways to resonate with many different people because there's loads of different people coming to the cabaret. So we're facilitating this space and then, yeah, so it's very much like community ceremony vibe. So I'm leaning more into yeah. that and this time. Like, it's it's not just a solo show. Like, there's there, no. you've got like a cast or a bit of a crew going on. Going on. There's a cast who, of nine. Who else can we expect to see? So for this one coming up, unfortunately, we've lost some of our big players like Ross Gannon, Ren Dennehy, who we love and will be back next yeah. year. But we've got Shana Buckingham, uh, opera diva extraordinaire. We've got Emily Carroll, who I actually gig with a lot. A new person, Shane Morgan. So I'm excited to see how he finds his place and then literally the band Killian 
Chris, Keelan are possibly the most talented people I've ever met. Mm-hmm, and great. they totally like bring the level and the standard You have up. a team that you can trust anyway. That's the most yeah. important. Yeah, 100%. Excellent. Excellent. And I mean, obviously Christmas is in the name. So how will we be seeing Christmas represented on the beautiful stage hmm. of the Sugar Club? So I can't give too much away. So when I saw this question, <laughs> I was like, oh, so... I can't really describe the way I've been describing it. We can't describe at 12 p.m. on a Saturday. Okay, so I'll put okay. that aside. Oh my God, work. But we're teasing the audience throughout it with a Christmas element and then maybe pulling back and not giving them what they want. Um, so you can maybe think <laughs> about what my coal. metaphor is. Lumps of yeah. coal all right. Um, yeah. yeah. And then hopefully at the end, we're giving possibly the most famous Christmas song. Not the one everyone thinks, though. The one that when you tell them, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that yeah, one. yeah. Um, but the night is very much rooted in like a Christmas party. Yeah. So right. it's all glitz, all glam. It's all the bangers that you'll be singing on the George. Yeah. In coppers at four in the morning with a bunch of strangers just like having a good time yeah, and you're never going to see them I again. This sounds and fabulous. You'll get like your DMC moments. Yeah. <laughs> only happens at Christmas and then you see them throughout the year and you're like, oh God, oh. I told them my whole trauma from 2023 <laughs> and now I don't even know their name. So it's Excellent. very, we're very much going like, I'll give it, we're going to have our Maniac 2000 moments. We're going to have our ABBA moments and it's just a big sing along, dance along and just... If you're not hugging someone you don't know by the end of the night, we haven't done our job. (laughs) Before we finish up, can you tell me where can people find out more about the show? Where can people get tickets? All of this crack. So you can go to the Sugar Club website. Um, They have it up. We've got it on Eventbrite. But if you go to my Instagram, the usual, at Fergsie, (laughs) with a H and an A, um, it's all in the link there. And you can kind of follow along there and get some tickets. We are sold out with our... Uh, see should tickets but there's standing tickets kind of excellent and I do have to say if you want that sort of you know chaotic Christmas party vibes standing at the back of the sugar club up by the bar there's nothing like it there's nothing (laughs) the people at the back have the most crack like some people message being like I'm not even going to buy a seat of ticket I want to be up at the back having the absolute crack and they're the cheapest tickets so you know and you might get the most crack it's a certain clientele isn't it it definitely (laughs) is definitely is they're the rowdiest bunch (laughs) thank you so much for chatting us today Virgil we were delighted to have you in and can't wait to see further Curtis Cabarets (laughs) throughout the year yes yes loads of plans thank you so much thank you for having me Doesn't it just lift your spirits? No, honestly. To hear that music, us here together. <laughs> the hot tub time machine I, parked outside. I know. I know the hot tub time machine. The battery needed to be, needed jump leads after you were gone. That's exactly it, yeah. I put, pulled into the curb beside yeah, one of those yeah. EV, EV yeah. charging ports. It's clamped and I, didn't, I couldn't afford to get it unclamped so I had to wait till James came back. <laughs> oh my God. But look, you had some terrific guests in to have us, to I bring did. us back through, uh, through 2014. Producer Megan, obviously. Like, Who did better? Who did Who it? better? I mean, I could have done better on the L song guessing. I'll be completely honest. Sh- look, you know what? It just makes me feel better about myself and my, my desperate attempt at them. So, like, I'm, at least I'm like, at least I can bear, like, you know, I'm never that bad. <laughs> That's true. Look, we we, we we love you dearly, Megan, but your, your can, music knowledge is not one of your, your skill sets. I can feel her eyes burning in the back of my head. Is she burning I the back of my head? I think it was quite niche, and I'd like to object <laughs> and I'd like to reapply. I was telling Megan earlier that my dad said that he wouldn't be able to get it either, but I was like, Megan, I wouldn't be comparing yourself to my dad, like. No. Do you no. know? In fairness. Well, look, we 
we are we are heading a way 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 back till before either of us were were sparks in 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 either of our any of our parents' eyes to the year of nineteen seventy nine. Oh my god, great! Do you know that's great now because I feel like I'm going to get educated here today. Oh, here I am here to feed the children. I will leave no crumbs. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. But so uh, we're going to focus on a couple of kind of big stories from that year in terms of queer in, in terms okay. of queerness in, in Ireland. So obviously, you know, 1979, we are talking a good couple of years before homosexuality is even decriminalized. Mm. Those of those of you who were with us for a 1987 will remember that that was the year that David yeah. Norris entered the Senate, uh, and sort of. That period in time around like the late 70s was where the gay rights movement in Ireland was starting to get more organised. Mm. There was like more kind of organisations standing up. There was more people coming together. And 1979, the most significant thing that was the opening of Dublin's Hirschfield Centre. So the National Gay Federation, who now go by NXF and are the publishers of GCN, were established mm. in uh, in 1979. And they housed themselves within the Hirschfield Centre, which opened its doors on the 17th of March, 1979 on 10 Found Street Upper in Temple Bar and became a kind of a spiritable, spirited hub of, of, of for, for the queer community here in Ireland. It had a disco, it had a theatre, it had a library. Oh it also housed the first um, the first sort of telephone helpline for members of the LGBTQ community and sort of housed what I suppose it probably w- went on to become the first uh, m- and possibly one of the most iconic queer club nights uh, within Irish history of Flickers Club. And if any of you that are out about any of the gay events you will see people going around wearing their Flickers t-shirt because yeah, it is really that. something that has been sort of remembered. And it was DJs the like the likes of Tony Walsh, who is one of kind of the most iconic members of our community, who who was a DJ there. And there's an interview on RTE that um that I didn't have the skills to to, to get a clip from, but I'll tell you about it. Uh, where David you Norris just asked me, baby, what are you going to do for you? <laughs> where David Norris spoke about the fact that one of the most important things to them when they were putting together this uh, this this center was that it would have the best audio system in Europe. So they knew that the most important thing was that, you know, they would they would be making their placards on mm. a Sunday afternoon. They would be having the people in for tea and buns on a Monday or a Tuesday. But they knew that Saturday night, Flickers yeah. nightclub needed to be rocking because those clubs are the birthplace of protest. And yeah. surely that's exactly what it, and what I can, it did. And I can only assume that they're playing the best of music. Absolutely yeah, they were. Yeah. Possibly even my uh, secret song for this year got oh, a couple really? of got a couple of turns. Do you know what? I often like there's a part of me that like I would like I'm obviously very grateful that I grew up marginally in a time where like you know you know things were more accepted but I would love to experience what it was like back then like I'd say like just yeah, like Insane. I think the, the life rafts were smaller, uh, so it, it was less yeah. likely that you'd find your way onto them. But there is a bit of me that would like to have been able to go back and experience what it was like to kind of be in that. Yeah, it must have felt in space. a way like a very scary, but also very exciting time to be the yeah. start, basically the start of this movement that is still ongoing today. Absolutely, and it's incredibly, it's incredibly brave that so many people were willing to, at a time when homosexuality was still criminalized, were, were willing to come together and begin to um, and, and sort of begin to form. These 
these spaces when there was still a lot of animosity between the police there was still a, a, a lack of uh, a, a lack of kind of trust that the society was going to accept these people so the, oh forgot to mention that the, the state the, the centre was named after Magnus Hirschfeld a German sexologist and leader of the gay rights movement in Germany who had sadly been uh, been murdered during uh, okay. the, the, the Second World War but moving on to to the other side of the Atlantic okay. the big story so you cannot talk about the 1970s obviously without talking about disco this is a, a genre yes, with its disco. origins in black and Latinx communities within the LGBT community and it exploded into mainstream after Saturday Night Fever in 1977 like unavoidable classic. absolutely classic uh, so over the course of a number of years, um, people the, the 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 spread of disco started to annoy um, certain factions within community who would still be annoyed to this day by like very visible representation for 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 queer people and for for. Um, for black and Latin people mm. as well. Uh, and so um, after a radio station that, um, after a radio station switched to a disco sound from a rock sound and DJ Steve Dahl was sacked from his, uh, from his previous, uh, from, from his hosting duties, he started the Disco Sucks movement uh, and went on to uh, organise a, a kind of a, a publicity stunt for his new rock station at the uh, Chomsky Park on the 12th of July um, called disco demolition night where people were allowed to bring their old disco records they would be able to kind of bring them into the field and they'd get them blown up you got a you got like you got a cheap ticket in if you were able to come along and so they had expected around 19,000 people but 59,000 people towed up showed up they proceeded to storm the pitch where they smashed and burnt their Bee Gees vinyls and began to riot throwing records onto the field and causing significant uh, damage and this event sort of started really fueled the the anti-disco sentiment of the cultural backlash against disco music um, again a, a, a genre that had found its beginnings in like African American Latin yeah. American and queer uh, queer culture uh, and the night kind of um, that, that demolition it kind of became middle America sort of fight back yeah. against this uh, this new form of um, this new this this new genre did disco die? Absolutely not Absolutely not no. it didn't in fact the that sort of like move out of the mainstream sort of allowed disco mm. split, split down kind of two separate roads it sort of spawned what became house music and the house and the club scene uh, and then also sort of merged into the hip-hop culture that was rapidly kind of developing around that. So yeah. it's gone on to have an enormous impact, including a much celebrated revival uh, in the, the recent years with the likes of Dua Lipa, Kylie yeah. Minogue, uh, really leaning into that disco sound. But so, we'll move on to a few little tidbits because I know we only yeah. have a couple of minutes left. Yeah, yeah. Uh, June 1979, McDonald's launched the Happy Meal. Okay. So and oh. parents, parents everywhere, all over the world, were suddenly being <laughs> harassed in order to to purchase whatever the time. Little, and they came in a cute little queer box. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and in Ireland, big year for Irish music. Big year for Irish music. So <laughs> I need to know what's coming. <laughs> the, the Pope visited on the, in September, and two and a half million attended uh, across the, the oh, many venues. Yeah. And we had two Pope themed number one songs. They were called "Viva il Pape" and. And welcome Pope John II. People were like, we aren't just satisfied with a single 
people based uh, number one hit we need to uh, it also <laughs> was it also was the, the year that the Boomtown Rats uh, reached number one with I Don't Like Mondays and they've continued to dine out on that number one yeah. for the last yeah. 40 years talk so about milking something fair like. play yeah, to them fair play to this them. is how you get a career yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> out of it and um, Alien Apocalypse Now and the Muppets movie were the big year the big oh my God, uh, that's the big sense of that year okay very good very we good. love the Muppets movie have you watched the Muppets movie I have seen the Muppets movie yeah yeah. How, have you, uh, I didn't know that it was the 1979 though. Well, so no, there, there was a there was a new there's a version. newer one. I know, yeah. I know, but I, th- that it's even. The, I, mean, I didn't think it was that old. It's, yeah. it's even with like Alien and Apocalypse Now, like you wouldn't necessarily put those into that. I like you would feel I scream, them as being. If I'm not sure, I, my go-to is 80s. Like you know. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But that was 1979. Uh, I, I think quite an important changing point. I do think like the it's it's interesting that kind of the the way a culture can progress forward. So with the 70s where you had like the yeah. disco movement so entrenched within queer and, and, and black and Latinx cultures becoming so mainstream and then that push back against it. It kind of that ebb and flow that tied in, tied out kind of feels like maybe we've been in a bit of a, you know, it sort of represents where we've been yeah. over the last while. We've The tide has been in and maybe it's going out a bit and we yeah. just need to wait until disco comes back around again. Absolutely. That's a lovely way to finish it. Actually. Isn't it? Yeah. Look, look, we've yeah. come to the end of, yeah. of my first, do, um, do, do, do I have the job back <laughs> after the end of the first show? Me- Megan, <laughs> Am I, am I back on? Am I am I hired? She said we'll review. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Especially with the alien reference. <laughs> this is one of... I Did saw I you out there dancing around and assumed that it was about the Muppets movie, but no, the alien. Well, fair enough. James, I'm del- <laughs> babe, we're delighted to have you back. It wasn't the same without you. Oh, well, listen. It it, it, it wouldn't be the same. It wouldn't be the same without my, my Saturday morning. Um, <laughs> now, how, how did you find it? Tan is lovely. <laughs> That's what I said too. Um, these, but, these vicious rumours. But Vicious rumours. But honestly, how good was I while you were gone? Oh, you're a fab. Oh, my God. Absolutely. Yeah, oh, oh, he's I, kicking me under the I'm table. Su- I'm surprised you weren't plucked up by Virgin Media for yourself and uh, Tuberty to get the show together. There's been some talks, okay? But I, I know where my roots are. Don't you worry, Megan. But anyway, before, before we wrap up, we have to remind you that Curiosity is proudly presented by LGBT Ireland, the National LGBT Support Service. And if you or anyone you know needs the support of the National LGBT Helpline, it's available seven days a week on 1800 929 539, where Ever's on your mind, mm-hmm. LGBT Ireland Topline volunteers are here to listen. And it's time for us to say goodbye before we get into what is, I think, the thing most people are excited for. Certainly me. My anxiety of- builds from Monday. <laughs> and then on a Saturday afternoon, I'm kind of relaxed again because it's over for another week. But anyway... <laughs> So we'll just say thank you so much for listening. Yes, it's been it's been wonderful. So um, it is. And if you want to go and have a look at whatever Podrick's up to. Yeah, which I'm sure you would love to watch whatever I'm up to. <laughs> my um, usual handle, Podrick underscore WMC. Be sure to come over and follow and uh, reach out for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm James O underscore Hagen. And you can come over and have a chat to me. Or you can check us out on Instagram at Curiosity Radio. Yeah, and um, make sure you go and like James Holiday's pics. <laughs> But look, before this slander continues anymore, we're going to get into smugglers. it. So, I, go on. Okay, so here we are. We're into the the we're into the final countdown. So I very much was aware of the fact that you know this this song was out like fifteen years or so before you were born. Yeah. So I picked I something think, that yeah, would be, okay. be be iconic. Okay. So, clue one. Thank you. In 2018, Music Review website featured the song on their list of 50 songs that define the last 50 years of LGBTQ plus pride, saying the song probably would have become a gay anthem even without the spectre of AIDS. It's got an undeniable flair for the dramatic and topping the billboard charts a few months before the infamous disco demolition night at Chomsky Park it represented the last best gasp of a culture beaten into temporary relevance by thinly veiled racism and homophobia okay 
You're right. not gonna. You're not gonna go for guess. Uh, no, no, no. I'm gonna okay. bite my time. Okay. Clue number two. I'm writing things down here. This is one of the most celebrated and impactful songs of all time. Some of its accolades include ranked number one on VH1's 100 Greatest Dance Songs, number two in Rolling Stones' The Best Disco Songs of All Time, okay. number one on Time Out's Best Gay Songs to Celebrate Pride All Year Long, and it's appeared on too many Greatest Songs of All Time lists to mention. Is it? Is it a Diana Ross song? I'm not going to tell you that now, am I? Oh, God, like, come on. <laughs> That's not fair. Oh, you, you well, look, I'll tell you, I'll tell you it's, not, it's not a Diana Ross song. Okay. But so, clue Damn number it, three. That's my only guess. Go on, go on. Though released in late 1978, this song received heavy airplay in 1979, Cheater. spending three non-consecutive weeks at number one on the US Billboard Hot 100, as well as topping the UK singles charts and the Irish singles charts here. The song tells a story of a singer's discovery of... Is it the YMCA? Of, the song tells a story of a singer's discovery of personal strength. Is it the YMCA? No! <laughs> I totally know what this is. Is Porig. Yeah, because you were all teenagers back then. <laughs> Burn! Honestly, you were about to have your homosexual. I'm really joking. I'm really joking. I, I, I can give you. I can give you. You can have a guess. Where I can give you a fourth. Is it? Is it off- sin? No, I don't know what year that was from. That's the 80s. Oh. I give you a fourth clue. So Could I just is- get a, something to do with the artist? No, is that a giveaway? Uh, it, it would be a bit of a giveaway. Um, I know, but like help, so, help, 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 okay. help a little queerling out. At first, I was going to tell you something about the okay. um, the, uh, the the artist, but then I was petrified that you would get it too easily. <laughs> yeah, but it's okay to help people. Okay. At first, that's what I thought as well, but also I was petrified. <laughs> oh, uh, oh. <laughs> oh, but survive. Yes, it is. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a banger. Playing us out of curiosity this week, it is Gloria Gators, I Will Survive.